Welcome into Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I'm Greg Matzik with you, and we've got one hour tonight. The month of anticipation. Pitchers and catchers reporting for duty in about a week. First team workout one week from today. Position players will follow, and boom, there we go. Before the end of the month, we will have Brewers baseball airing on WTMJ as uh, we get rolling with the Cactus League later this month. If you'd like to join us on the program, we've got a busy hour for you. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And uh, we'll also hear comments from Jeff Levering and Lane Grindle. They will be heading off to spring training here before too long. And are we really moving on from the disabled list? Why? And the Brewers have added a reliever. We'll get to that all before the end of the program. If you'd like to join us, I'd love to have you here to talk Brewers baseball at 414-799-1620. One of the bigger stories out of baseball today, it's where I want to start with the program. This most certainly requires your input and involvement. This segment, this topic only works if you weigh in. And I know we have a lot of baseball fans listening, and you come in a variety of shapes, sizes, and ages. That's why I like doing baseball, broad view kind of stuff. With you, because I think you represent a variety of different opinions, and I think there will be a variety of different opinions revolving around this story. It is very possible that the left-handed specialist, the days of that loogie, are over. As part of a January 14th proposal to the Players' Union regarding pace of play, baseball suggested a rule requiring pitchers to face a minimum of three batters. So, in other words... To calm down the amount of mound visits and pitching changes, baseball is looking at implementing a policy by which whoever is brought to the hill must face at least three batters. Unless, of course, there's an injury situation, and that changes the entire deal. Now, I found it telling that the picture that supports this article on The Athletic is a picture of Craig Council going out to get Wade Miley in the NLCS after Miley pitched to one batter in Los Angeles against the Dodgers during the course of the playoffs. Now, that was brought up uh, in many circles as an interesting move, a bold move. Did it lack integrity? Did it bend or stretch the rules? Was it perfectly well within Craig Council's rights to do what he did? It essentially took the Dodgers lineup and rendered it not useless, but less effective because they had planned to face Wade Miley. That's one of the changes being proposed by Major League Baseball. Another one, and this is all a build on top of the 20-second pitch clock, the reduction in mound visits, that whole wacky idea of putting a runner on second base. If a game is tied after 10 innings, you start off the inning with a guy at second. You might see that in spring training and the all-star game, and at some point work its way into the course of the regular season. And then there's this rule, something that the players have actually been in favor of of for the last several years. The players' union would like to see a universal designated hitter. Major League Baseball seems to prefer having the DH in the American League and having pitchers bat in the National League. It's a lot to digest here. Major League Baseball wants to pay, uh, pick up the pace of play. The pitch clock, limitation on mound visits, the idea of having a pitcher throw to a minimum of three batters on the table. The Players Union would love to see a universal designated hitter. Do you want to see any of this? Any bit? Any of it at all? 414-799-1620. 
is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, a year ago, we were having a similar conversation, and it more had to do with the whole pitch clock idea, the reduction in mound visits, and the put a guy on second base to start the 10th inning in a tie game. That was all put on the table last year. If the Players Association goes back to Major League Baseball and says, no, we just don't like it, we're not going to do it, well, a year has passed. Rob Manfred can say, well, forget what you think. This is what I want, and this is what we're going to do. I don't know why, in a an agreement that is collectively bargained, the commissioner has power to unilaterally impose policy. I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why that exists, but it does. He can say, forget about what the Players Association thinks. This is what we're going to do. But the DH to the National League, do you want to see that? Reduction in mound visits, do you want to see that? A pitch clock, do you want to be watching that when you're watching a Major League Baseball game? And what about the idea of a pitcher having to face a minimum of three batters? Well, sure, there would be less shuffling in and out of relief pitchers. But it's all part of the strategy of Major League Baseball, and things could be altered here moving forward. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Ashton is lining up the calls. We'll get to your thoughts coming up on the other side. Also, the end of the disabled list. We'll share it after this. Designated hitter to the National League, reduction in mound visits, all part of the pace of play initiative for Major League Baseball. Do you want to see any of this stuff? A pitch clock could be coming to a baseball field near you as early as 2019. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's all part of a January 14th proposal to the Players Union regarding pace of play from Major League Baseball. Changes are on the way. What do you want to see and what do you want to leave out to the pasture? 414-799-1620. Jim joins us on WTMJ. Hi, Jim. Yes, my idea would tie the designated hitter to the starting pitcher. As long as your starter's out there, you've got a DH. Force the, force the starting pitchers to go longer in games, like the way it should be, not bringing in 100 guys out of the bullpen. They Lose your starter, you lose your DH. In both leagues, what do you want to see this, or just in the National uh, it would, um, It's They're fighting to get it in the, America, or in the National, and this is my kind of halfway of each. You keep the end of the game, the managers, where they have to put in players, take and move around, which is the, the good side of the, the National League, which you don't have in the American League. It's kind of this interesting. This yeah. would bring the end of the, each games up to the managers and not just make it out of lineup. Thanks for the phone call, Jim. That actually is kind of interesting. You know, you've, you've got a DH for your starting pitcher. Starting pitcher goes out, you lose your DH, and then it's up to the managers to sort of strategize their way throughout the rest of the game and maybe, just maybe, by extension, would force them to leave a starting pitcher in for a little bit longer. Or in the case of the Brewers, I mean, they've got enough pitchers who can hit, apparently. It's an interesting idea. Historically speaking, I, I would say that when we've talked about the designated hitter on this program, people have, by and large, been against the idea of the National League adopting the designated hitter. It seems like if you are maybe on the younger side here uh, in, in the baseball, you're kind of thinking, hey, the DH, that leads to more offense, more entertainment. If you're of the older school variety, this is just kind of how it's done. You never liked the DH to begin with. 
leave it out of the National League and let it be more of a strategic decision on how to manipulate the roster and get guys all over the place. I don't love the DH. I, I guess I'm I'm kind of neutral on it. And, and what would it really do? Would it affect the way that I watch a Brewers game? Would it affect the way that I enjoy a Brewers game? I don't think so. Howard is in Milwaukee joining us. Hi, Howard. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Good evening. Um, I say, unfortunately, regretfully, yes, on the universal DH. I cite Jimmy Nelson and the cost of pitching. Um, yes, on the time clock. If you can't get a ball off your hand in 20 seconds, you can't get it off at all. Um I like the idea of dropping the height of the mound to uh, decrease the advantage of the pitcher. And I would argue that a pitcher can only enter the game from the dugout. So if the manager goes out to get the pitcher, the pitcher is already at the dugout rather than having to come in all the way from the bullpen. Where would they warm up, Howard? They'd warm up at the bullpen, but they'd have to come to the dugout before they could come into the game. I feel like that would actually lengthen the process. Well, I don't think you'd have to have a timeout. They can come in from the foul lines. The coaches are on the foul lines. They just know how to duck. I mean, they could, you know, they wouldn't have to come in on the playing field during the game. Why don't we just all make them ride in the bullpen cart? Wouldn't that be quicker? Just you know, give them a little car or a Segway? Well, they used to do that. I know that was fun. They stopped. Yeah, I, I thought it was good advertising, but they stopped it for some reason. I do like it that the pitchers that run in. But I think if they were there already, it would, it would, that part would speed the game up. Howard, you, um, see, you seem reluctant to adopt the whole designated hitter idea. Why, why are you saying, you know, you, you don't want to say it, but uh, the DH and yeah, the National well, League might work? I like the strategy. I like the National League style of play. But I'm also willing to hear an argument. Well, let's face it. Imagine if we could have Ryan Braun hitting and not have to play in the outfield. It would be to our advantage, you know. But I I think it's time, given the expense of pitching, to not risk pitchers on the base paths. But I don't like it. <laughs> Just kind of where we are. And I know what you're saying. The cost of pitching is what it is. And, you know, you can get injured a thousand different ways. I know Junior Guerra was injured at the plate. So was Chase Anderson. So was Jimmy Nelson. Well, it was more on the bases. But I also remember Giovanni Gallardo just blowing apart his knee trying to cover first base against the Cubs. Uh, that was just the product of him being on the mound. So I, it, the Brewers have been stung a little bit recently with injuries to their pitchers who have been uh, not on the mound, but rather at the plate or on the base paths. 414-799-1620. There will be some changes. Pace of play remains a big deal. It's a huge initiative for Rob Manfred. And the 20-second pitch clock, I, there are already rules that exist that umpires just don't follow. I, they're not counting. There's no stopwatch. And I guess the 20-second pitch clock would just make things a little bit more front and center. But to me, that's a rule that's already in place that just isn't being adhered to. Marty and Sheboygan, welcome to the program. Hi, Marty. Hey, Greg. Um, I like the strategy of the National League. I've been against having the, the designated hitter for a long time. Um, but I, I think it's time to start going to, to that. Um, just for one thing, you know, previous caller cited Jimmy Nelson, but you know, you're asking guys that pitch once every five days to do something that they're, that they don't practice. And 
you know, a, a very few of them are good at. And, you know, sometimes too, I think what, what's the stra- what other strategy is there involved in the game than knowing when to pull your starter? Um, because how much strategy is involved when you intentionally walk the eighth place hitter to get to the ninth place guy who's the pitcher and you can throw three or four pitches and, and be out of the inning? You know, I, I guess I don't. Sometimes I think maybe we think strategy a little bit too much is involved with that. But, you know, to that point, I don't know with the way that, you know, the major leagues are trending towards the starting pitcher. And I, I like what your first caller mentioned about tying the DH to the, to the starter. It seems like, you know, we're trending more away from an actual starting pitcher and just kind of like almost, uh, outgetters or whatever you want to call them. And you know, are we getting to the point now where we're going to have guys pitch two or maybe three innings um, and you're just going to have a big, you know, a big bullpen um, instead. So I, I don't, you know, I, it's an interesting concept. I just don't know how that would work with the way things are, you know, are, are going in major league baseball. Yeah. Thanks for the phone call, Marty. Uh, you know, what, what, what happened last year in watching Brewers baseball, I think fans started off concerned that the Brewers' bullpen was going to get blown out, worn down. And by the end of the season, it became just absolutely fascinating to watch how Craig Council used his pitching staff. It was remarkable. But Craig Council even said this during our Brewers on Deck event. What you saw last year in September and October, you can't really do that in April and in May. The, the rules are different. When you get to September and October, you've got roster expansion. It's just a different animal. And in April and May, you'd like your guys to go a little bit longer, if possible. So I, I maybe it'll look very similar to last year, but what you saw in September and October, don't expect to see that in April and May. It's, a, it's just a different game earlier in the season. I, it, it became a very, very interesting thing to watch. The strategic decisions behind Craig Council's pitching changes. I, I, it was fascinating to me. And if that's what the league is going to become, I'm, I'm down for it because that is interesting baseball. I, I must admit, I'm kind of removed from the American League. I don't watch a lot of American League baseball. And I'm not going to comment on the, on the charm or the romance between the National League and the American League. Is it a better game in the American League? Are you more entertained? Are the run scored really that much higher? Is there a strategic element missing for you when you watch it? And somehow that would be, you know, lost in the National League if the designated hitter were part of that league? 414-799-1620. Got uh, more thoughts to get get to on the other side. Also, the, the disabled list is a thing of the past. It's being replaced. I'll explain why after this. So baseball is saying goodbye to the disabled list. Did you see this, Ashton? There will be no more disabled list in Major League Baseball. A tradition unlike any other since 1966. The disabled list has been a a fixture in the vernacular of Major League Baseball. It's going away. It will now be referred to as the injured list. Major League Baseball is ultimately hopping into the same boat as football and the NBA and calling it an injured list instead of a disabled list. I must admit, disabled always seemed a bit strong to me in terms of a word to use to describe a player who is unable to play for whatever reason and now that you've got this shorter time duration associated with your time away perhaps it was time to uh, reevaluate here but the league is going to make this change out of concern that the term disabled 
for injured players falsely conflates disabilities with injuries and inability to participate in sports. So in other words, it's kind of a politically correct move made by Major League Baseball. The disabled list is going away. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the 60-day injured list. Craig is in Lake Geneva joining us on Brewers Weekly. Hello, Craig. Hey, I just had a, a question. If there was any like statistics or you had any numbers that dealt with the length of a National League game currently versus the length of an American League game, because to me it seems like if you added the DH to the National League, uh, the, the more offense would lead to longer games. And if they're trying to go away from uh, – they're trying to shorten the game time up, that adding a DH might actually – stretch the game out so craig you just highlighted the big issue with what major league baseball is trying to communicate to its legion of fans they want pace of play to increase and they also want more offense it doesn't work like that ladies and gentlemen this is not a direct relationship it's totally different um but ashton is looking up those numbers right now i I, really i've been removed from the american league for all too long Well, it used to be easy, man, to dive into Major League Baseball. I don't have the MLB game pass plan or whatever on cable. It's it's Brewers or Bust and whatever's on on the weekend. Did you find anything? Average time of game for the American League versus National League? I've got to preface this by saying if I'm doing my math correct, the American League is three minutes on average quicker. Quicker, okay. Two American League teams had uh, in 2018 had... Average game times below three hours. No National League team was under three hours. Okay. That makes sense. The average for the entire league was three hours straight up last year also. So I I don't know what – I feel like that's good. Three hours straight up, what more do you want? Dennis is in Kenosha. Welcome to the program. You're on Brewers Weekly, Dennis. Good evening. How you doing? Great, thanks. Well, my theory to speed up the game a little bit would be – Pitchers are out in the bullpen, warming up for 15, 20 minutes until they get ready to come in. They bring them into the game and start pitching right away. No more warm-ups on the mound. And that should speed up the game at least five minutes every time the pitcher hits the mound. I don't know how many tosses there are when uh, when a pitcher does come in from the pen. I think they still get six or seven tosses. I think part of that is just to get used to the mound more than anything, right? Especially if you're a reliever, whoever the starter or starters are or were, they're going to dig a little bit of a pit, both on the mound and where their plant foot lands. Um, So, I mean, I I get it. I understand why they do it. It's an adjustment to come out of the mound or out of the bullpen to the mound. Maybe less time in between innings. I know they got a running clock for that, too. The reduction in mound visits I thought was interesting because it forced the managers to be a little bit more creative or more judicious in how many times they went out to see and chat with their pitcher. Uh, I believe that the mound visit rule is in place because of the Chicago Cubs. Chris Bozio was a human rain delay when he was the Cubs pitching coach. It's a Joe Madden special, right? Trips to the mound. In fact, it felt like to me every time the Cubs made a mound visit, they got one more in their back pocket to use. It's just what it felt like. And, yes, that does slow the game down. But I don't think a pitcher coming into a game should have to face a minimum of three batters. To me, that's ridiculous. It's still about getting 27 outs. And whatever you have to do to get 27 outs, whether it's a shift, have a guy throw two pitches, I don't care. Get your 27 outs. And try and get as many runs as possible on the board to win the game. That, to me, is the beauty of baseball. 
A three batter minimum makes no sense to me whatsoever. I do not want to see that in the, in Major League Baseball. Now, the DH I'm fine with. I don't think you lose a ton of strategy. In the world of double switching, I mean, it's so commonplace in the National League that, I, not that it goes overlooked, but it, it, lineups seem to sort of seamlessly blend from one to the next. It's not often that a Brewers pitcher bats beyond the fifth inning. Or at all, really, in the National League. So, kind of a grab bag for me. The pitch clock doesn't bother me at all. But the three batter minimum, to me, that's ridiculous. I do not want to see that in Major League Baseball. Coming up next, a conversation with Lane Grindle and Jeff Levering, Brewers play-by-play folks. They're on their way to Arizona here in a little over a week. Get their thoughts on this Brewers offseason and the season to be after this on Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I'm Greg Matz again for Mad Pauly. Spring training begins in about a week. One week from today, the Brewers will have their first workout for pitchers and catchers. They report on the 13th. Most of the position players in Arizona by the time pitchers and catchers report, so they'll be up and running in full by about February 20th. And uh, before the end of the month, our first Cactus League games here on WTMJ. Jeff Levering, Lane Grindle will have the call of spring training baseball. Not only on WTMJ, but our sister station, 94.5 ESPN-FM. They'll be carrying a few of the games as well throughout the course of the Cactus League. Had a nice conversation with both Levering and Grindle the other day in talking about getting ready for spring training when the broadcast team reports for duty. Uh, for me personally, it's, it's great just to get down there and, and meet some of the new bodies that are in the clubhouse, first and foremost. And, and for both of us, we're going down to the you know the Brewers Fields of Phoenix for a first time with the whole new renovation that's been going on down in Arizona. So we're going to get a, a heads up of how that place looks. But but for us, me especially, because I'm doing basketball in the offseason, I get my tempo back with baseball and just having conversations and having fun with it and enjoying some nice weather. Yeah, this is really the same for me. I think uh, what spring training provides, for us as broadcasters is a ton of face time with the guys. I mean, we get that in the regular season too, but it's just it's a different atmosphere because it's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more laid back, and so you get a chance to really get to know the guys very well. You get some good stories out of it, but it's also good to get back in the chair and and get that rhythm back and get yourself ready to go for the regular season. Those legendary five-hour sessions with Euchre the <laughs> night before a game, too, just to get you set. I mean, the roster memorization and, and all that. I mean, it's just a big part of this. It, it really is incredible. I mean, our fireside chats with the s'mores and uh, these delicious lattes that you just brewed us up. Yeah, and we, like we might that. have a new tradition as well uh, going down to Arizona this year. Yes, those are those are grinders. We have doubt. a legal pad that we get out with all the names, and we go through them and, you know, Pitch type and all that stuff. We go through it all together spring, as a group. Spring training for everyone. <laughs> right, let me ask you this, because we are two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Jeff, there's still 100 free agents looking for baseball. I don't know if it's good for baseball or just bad for agents, <laughs> you know what I mean, and the player itself, but how do you characterize where we are with today's game that so many players, good players, are still looking for work. We talked about this a little bit at on deck too, Greg, and it, it, it's baffling to see how many how many players are without jobs um, and really good players, as you mentioned as well. Um, it was the same way last year too, and you're, you're starting to see Major League Baseball front offices get really smart on how they're spending their money and how they can allocate those years of service time and options. You hear David Stearns and Matt Arnold talk about that all the time. Guys that have options that can go down to the minor leagues to build that depth, the depth up and and keep fresh bodies in the big leagues. Uh, it, it is really interesting, and it almost seems like you're getting the bargain with the young kids that are just coming through, the kids with the options, and then once they get through their arbitration years, once they hit free agency for the first time, say they're 30, 31 years old, 
that's when they start to go through the meat grinder a little bit, and that's that's what we're seeing right now the last two years in free agency. Last week, Lane, Wade Miley got away $4.5 million, a one-year deal, so he goes to Houston. He seems like a Houston kind of guy, for what it's worth. Uh, but not coming back to the Brewers, a big deal, not a big deal. There is no lefty, really, in that initial group. How do you characterize it? That's a good question. I, I don't know that it's a huge deal, but, but look, that shouldn't downplay what Wade was for the 2018 Brewers. He was he was tremendous, and, I, and nobody expected him to be that when he signed a minor league deal before the season began. But he pitched well in spring training, battled through those injuries, and then came back and backed up what his spring training was with a, a really good finish to the regular season and then pitched well in the postseason. But I think the Brewers have, have long felt that their strength is in numbers with their rotation. Uh, they have a lot of arms they like, a lot of young arms that they like. Corbin Burns could move into that rotation this year. Brandon Woodruff could move into that rotation this year or go back and forth like he did last year. You have Freddie Peralta as well. So, yeah, maybe maybe not a lefty right now, especially with the Suter injury, but I think the Brewers think they have strength in numbers with a bunch of different guys they can slot into that rotation. I can't believe how many guys are still looking for work. And I, I don't know if uh, guys like Mike Moustakis are a victim of the... The Manny Machado domino, is that a safe assumption? I think there is that little trickle-down, Greg, with, with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, the two big pieces that need to that need to fall, really, and the pitching, too. I mean, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell are still out there, too. Kimbrell, one of the best closers in baseball. So you're, you're looking at all these, these elite players, but there's a lot of great, really above-average players, too. And, and Mike Moustakas has been one of the most productive third basemen in all of baseball the last couple of years. It's, it's fascinating that he just doesn't have a job. I, I think the other part of that, too, that... that has not been talked a ton about, but it's hanging out there a little bit, is that Nolan Arnato is going to be a free agent after next year. Mm-hmm. And so you have, one, the Manny Machado domino, waiting to see how, how that falls. And a lot of people anticipate that, like the Phillies say, if they miss out on Machado, they might be aggressive and go try to find a third baseman. So that could impact Mike Moustakis a little bit. But also some of these teams that are willing to spend, willing to go big with some of these contracts, also know there's a big free agent class out there again next year. And so they're going to be smart about that. And that, that may be what part of the holdup is, is Mike Moustakis probably wants two, three, four years, and some teams might only be willing to give one or two right now, or one with an option. Lane, I was checking out uh, Keith Law's rankings of the top farm systems Mm -hmm. in baseball, and it's not a surprise that the Brewers have sort of fallen on that list a little bit, Uh, 25th by his estimation for whatever that is worth. Uh, It's a smaller market team, obviously, in Milwaukee. How how big a deal is that? I understand what you want to do to get to the point where the Brewers were a year ago, uh, but is that more of you got some young guys who are filling out the major league roster or who are ready to compete, and had they been a part of maybe AAA this coming season, you'd look at this group and say, hey, it's a top ten. Right. I think that's part of it. I, I think you, when you look at, at the Brewers being 25th in prospect rankings, your inclination is, well, they traded a bunch of guys last year when they were making their run. And, and, and that's partially true. They gave up some pieces last year, certainly gave up a bunch of pieces in the Yelich deal, but I think that worked out pretty well. The the big part of it is there's a bunch of guys. Corbin Burns is now graduated from prospect list, and he's a big leaguer now. So they have a bunch of young guys making up the core of this team now. I mean, they're still the veterans. But a lot of the guys that were making up that list when the Brewers were a top-ten farm system are now contributing at the major league level. So it's a little different than, say, where the Angels were a couple of years ago, where they just had a bunch of veterans and not a lot of prospects at that point in time. Brewers have a bunch of young players, which kind of buys that window to build that farm system back up. I also think there's some guys very undervalued. 
that the Brewers have that have high ceilings. You talk about Bryce Terang, see what he does in his first full year as a professional. Um, there's there's uh, the Ashby kid who was in Wisconsin last year in Class A that pitched very well in the Midwest League. I mean, we can go through a, a, a group of probably 10 to 15 different guys that I think with big years this year will probably find themselves rising up those lists. More with Jeff Levering and Lane Grindle after this on Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Greg Matzik with you till 9 o'clock. One week from today, the Brewers. Pitchers and catchers will conduct their first workout. Some magical moments, of course, from that 2018 season. Looking to duplicate here in 2019. More of our conversation with Brewers Radio Play-By-Play men, Jeff Levering and Lane Grindle. That is a big old smile you got on your face. I mean, that's that's one of the more fun moments, just because of it looked like you know the the Keystone Cops trying to get it out, and they got nobody. That's that was, not an easy call either, by the way, because that's just not common, yeah. right? It's not a common play. No, it's not. I mean, and it goes back to Lorenzo Cain's time with the Kansas City Royals. They practice it in spring training, and then he brings it to Milwaukee. And I don't know whether they worked on it or not in spring training, but the fact that they they executed it and almost did it a second time as well is really impressive. What's going to happen at second base is one of the questions everybody's kind of asking. Travis Shaw has kind of hinted at what he thinks might happen. Uh, what do you think is likely to happen for the Brewers at second base? Well, it's good to know that Travis has the ability to go over there and play second base. I think he's preparing to do both, and he's going to play a little bit of first base too, those late-inning substitution types of things. But you've got some guys that are very adept at playing the position. Aaron Perez, who's done it uh, for a number of years now for the Brewers. They acquired Corey Spangenberg from the Padres, who's kind of a sneaky, really good player. He's had some good numbers against the Brewers in the past, so it's nice to have that left-handed bat who's got some versatility as well, plus an option like we talked about earlier. Um, plus, they've got some depth in the organization. Mauricio Dubon's coming off the ACL, uh, ACL injury. He's going to be available and ready to go in spring training. Keston here is right on his backside as well. So they've got a lot of options at second base without going to, to spend a bunch of money. You know, Lane, this time last year, they had a ton of outfielders, and even out of spring training, it's like, oh my goodness, what are they going to do with everybody? Well, they made a couple of trades this year. Guys who are out of options, no longer part of the team ben gamble comes back i think people may forget oh yeah they made a trade they got ben gamble uh we i think as many brewers fans are familiar with matt gamble but what's the story on ben and and where does he fit well ben gamble is a left-handed hitter so it's a left-handed bat with an option so it gives you that flexibility it's okay to have too many outfielders but you want some of them to have options and that was going to be a little bit different situation this year than it was last year where Domingo and Broxton both had options a season ago. He he only had one home run last year, but he's been a guy that the Mariners were high on in the past, and he also has position versatility. He can play all three outfield spots, which is big, too. So he figures to be probably that fourth outfielder this year. Um, you'll see Aaron Perez out there in the outfield as well, so that's a part of it. Um, so it, it it's going to be interesting to see what he can provide, but he does give him a left-handed bat off the bench, and again, a guy that can go up and down, which is something that the Brewers, if, if you didn't notice last year, uh, they value it tremendously, that, that ability to send guys up and down, keep fresh arms up, send a guy out, position player out if they have to, to make room for another arm, all those things. And then, of course, Bobby Wall was in the Keon Broxton deal, and that's a hard-throwing righty that uh, a lot of people have kind of been waiting on to turn the corner. He's had good numbers in AAA, has had just a very small sample size at the major league level, and I think the Brewers are hoping he can round into form and be somebody that they can really count on in the bullpen this year, too. Bounce back here is Jeff. Jimmy Nelson, obviously coming off injury. Chase Anderson, I asked him the day the season ended, you're going to take some time off? He said, heck no. If there's another playoff team, I want to be on that roster. He said it very respectfully that he wants to be part of it. He doesn't want to watch. Uh, two guys that, that, that had it two years ago and for different reasons didn't last year, 
but still, you'd, you'd like to think they could revert back to their former selves. All of a sudden, that becomes pretty interesting in the rotation. Yeah, and Zach Davies, too, who had 17 sure. wins a season before. Um, so, so you're looking at those three guys that are, are really going to be counted upon big time, especially with Woodruff and Burns, like we've talked about, who could be going into the rotation or potentially out of the bullpen as well for length. So you're looking at, at Anderson. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of Jimmy Nelson until he starts throwing bullpens in spring training, how much he's going to be able to give you um, innings-wise because you don't want to push that, having missed a season and a half. So it's going to be really interesting to see what you get from those guys, but expect a big bounce back from Chase. He's determined. He looked like he was in great shape last weekend at Brewers mm-hmm. on deck. Zach Davies is very motivated as well. Uh, and Jimmy Nelson is is one of the, the toughest sons of guns you'll ever run around. Um, lots of moves have happened in February. Lots of moves have happened in March. Um, but I think the team that they go to spring training with is not necessarily going to be the same team that they come back to Milwaukee with. Yeah, there's been moves made at the end of spring training basically every year of the David Stearns mm-hmm. era. Last year it was Dan Jennings, and there's been other moves made each subsequent year. You think about uh, you think about uh, uh, Jared Hughes two yeah. years ago as well, who, of course, spent last year with the Reds. So they've made moves at the end of spring training. I, I would guess there's more moves to be made. What those are, we don't have any clue yet, mm-hmm. though. It's Brewers play-by-play men, Jeff Levering and Lane Grindle. We will wrap up Brewers Weekly with some final thoughts after this on WTMJ. We're wrapping up Brewers Weekly on a Thursday night. I'm Greg Matzik with you. Thanks for hanging out with me on the program. Brewers have made a minor move here just prior to pitchers and catchers reporting. Most major league teams are kind of in cruise control right now with personnel. Spring training opening up next week across the league. But according to Ken Rosenthal of Fox Sports and MLB Network, Josh Tomlin has signed a minor league deal with the Brewers. That includes an invitation to major league camp. Rosenthal also reporting Tomlin will be paid a million and a quarter base salary. He does have some incentives built into the contract, so that could take him over three, about three and a half million if it, all of those are reached. He's a 34-year-old pitcher, has spent nine years with the Cleveland Indians, uh, a relief guy primarily, career record of 61-53, and 53, career ERA of 477. Uh, a couple of years ago, he was pretty good. He was 13-9 and nine and had 174 innings with the Indians. You know, the Indians were another team that used their bullpen in an interesting fashion. Andrew Miller was the best thing since sliced bread and almost single-handedly won the World Series, didn't he? I mean, they used that guy all over the place, and uh, injuries kind of sidetracked his season last year. But a nine-year veteran, 34 years old, I don't know if this is Wade Miley 2.0, but it's uh, another example of the Brewers giving it a shot. It's amazing to me when I look at all of the acquisitions and and guys who have, you know, maybe been prospects that have fallen off the map a little bit or had a great year in the major leagues and then for whatever reason had a couple of years where it just couldn't get going. It seems to me that David Stearns is very good at finding players who had a season. They had it somewhere, whether it was the major league level or the minor league level. And while there may have been some hard times, David Stearns is willing to take a shot to see if maybe, just maybe, some of that magic can be summoned again. Wade Miley's a good example. I think Junior Guerra is a pretty good example. I think they held on to Jonathan VR because he had the year. What happened to it? Can he get it back? It was worth finding out because he didn't cost an arm and a leg. So a guy like Josh Tomlin, more than likely his best days are behind him. But a couple of years ago, he was pretty effective in one of the better bullpens in all of the American League. And another thing to uh, Stern's credit is the fact that he does use his time when he was with other teams. He was with the Indians in 2012 
when with uh, Josh Tomlin. He was with yeah. the Astros when they ended up making that trade for Josh Hader, when the Brewers made the trade for Josh Hader and, and Santana. And I He uses his, any information that he has, either currently or in his past, and he decides to try and see if that if they can cheaply turn that into something that no one else is using. It is interesting, and you know, I, I'd like to say that's just part of the value game that you have to play if you're a small market team, but that's just an intelligent general manager. I, what is the risk? You know what I mean? What, what's the problem here? Why, why, was this, why is this a bad idea? It's not. Even Giovanni Gallardo last year didn't work out. I didn't think it was going to work out. It was worth a shot. Didn't cost him much. See if it works. If a guy sticks, great. Got a little more depth in your rotation. Certainly nothing wrong with that. So, um, like Jeff and Lane had said in a previous segment, I, I think there's more to be done here. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like for the Brewers. Just when you think you've got it all figured out, you've got the Brewers pegged, you know what they're going to do? We really have no idea. <laughs> Just yeah, That's the beauty of it. But I, I get the feeling there will be some roster fortification before pitchers and catchers report. Certainly before... The Cactus League season begins. We are out of time on Brewers Weekly. Got a short show tomorrow night. In fact, Justin Garcia will be in for me. I am off for about a week. Going to take a little vacation. Going to find some warmth and hopefully get my first golf rounds of the year in before I come back. That is the goal, Ashton. We will talk to you again soon. Justin Garcia is in for me tomorrow night ahead of Bucks basketball. And the news is next on WTMJ.